Hello my lovely listeners and I hope you are doing well today. My name is Colin and welcome to Is That A Dog Hair In My Tea? So today is going to be about me, yes me, written by me, directed by me, starring me. So sit back, enjoy, and let's have some laughs and a little bit of learning. Alright, how's everybody? Colin Taylor here. Oh, I just imagine me waking up in the morning hearing that noise in the background. And believe me, it's nothing like it sounds. It's like, oh, God, come on back, start working, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so a lot of people have said to me, why don't you do a podcast about you? I'm thinking that's kind of like narcissistic. I don't want everything to be about me. And believe me, contrary to everybody's belief, I do not like everything to be about me. And um, that's why I enjoy interviewing so many amazing people. But people want to know a little bit about my background. So I thought I would do about four podcasts and stagger them in stages of my life and talk to you so you guys can get to know a little bit more about how I got into grooming, how I decided and what paths to take and so on and so forth. So let's start talking about the very, very young Colin Taylor. And I have to say, when it came to me as a child, I was, I think, a spoiled child. There wasn't anything that I wanted that I couldn't get from my parents. And normally, it took some very special words if I wanted something. And it would basically be like this. I would see, I don't know, a teddy bear. And I would look at my mum and I'd say, Mum, can I have this teddy bear? And then I'd look at her and she'd look at me and I'd say, just to keep me happy, and she'd be like, oh my God, get in the teddy bear. <laughs> so if you can imagine a little version of me looking up at my mum saying, just to keep me happy, meaning if you don't buy me this damn teddy bear, I'm going to throw myself on the floor and have a bitch fit. Anyway, I wasn't like that. Sometimes, maybe. Anyway, I was a sport child. I got two older brothers, Wayne and Keith. And they both live in, no, actually, Keith lives in London. Wayne lives in Oxford, both married with children, incredible children, incredible family units. And you know what? It's been an absolute dream. And I have two amazing parents, my mum, Margaret, and my dad, Barry, and they live in London also. And obviously, I got my lovely husband, Coleman, who lives with me in Froome, Somerset. And obviously, we have our American family in America, in Seattle, which is Coleman's side, and they are amazing, and I love them to death. So as a child, I wanted nothing more than to be a zookeeper. My whole dream was about looking after gorillas and being a zookeeper, and it didn't really matter what animal I looked after, as long as it was in a zoo, and as long as I could work up to working with gorillas. And every single birthday, for as long as I can remember, my mum and dad took me and two friends, normally Graham and Andrew or Graham and James Jones, to London Zoo. And I remember back in the day in London Zoo, they used to hand out these red keys. And these red keys were meant for you to use at every single exhibit. And I used to run, which I don't normally do, guys. Run, 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 run. As soon as I went through them gates to the gorilla enclosure and the famous gorilla in the world was Guy the Gorilla and he was absolutely stunning. Anyway, you put this red plastic key into this box and it told you the history of each animal at each exhibit. 
I frankly could have stayed at Guy the Gorilla's enclosure all day long because he was just fascinating to look at. And he reminded me of, I would say, my grandpa or my, no, not my grandpa because I didn't really know him, my uncle, who was an older gentleman, used to sit there. And I'm not going to say that my grandpa used to, you know, like, you know, scratch his backside or pick his nose. But Guy the Gorilla did, and it just reminded me of an older person who would sit there all day long with nothing better to do and just stared at the people watching him and entertain them by looking at them with this face on him, thinking, you know what, I'm going to scratch my butt and pick my nose, and you're going to just deal with it, and still love me. And that's exactly what we did. Anyway, that was on my birthdays. And you know what, I had a cuddly toy called Curious George, and Curious George was a big cuddly monkey cuddly toy that I knew to drag around with me everywhere. And I loved Curious George because... He went to bed with me and he was my protector. And I remember as a child, I used to stand at the top of the stairs and pretend I was being chased. And I'd run up in my bedroom and climb up into the closet, go figure. And I would always have Curious George with me. And it was absolutely amazing. I loved him. I wonder still today if he is up in my parents' attic, because that would be really, really cool. Because he had a red red sweater on George and a red hat and I'll cross this sweater it said George he was amazing anyway so fast forward a little bit I went to school and you know what when it comes to high school I didn't really get along with a lot of the subjects mainly geography history English math <laughs> all the subjects that apparently you have to do well in a school because if you don't you won't go nowhere in life. Anyway, I really excelled in artwork, pottery, um, painting, clay, metalwork, woodwork, even home economics, textiles. Home economics was cookery. Actually, I wasn't that good. I was good at the chocolate logs on Christmas. On Christmas, But that was all I was good at making. Um, and drama. I was great at drama. And for some unknown reason, I really found religious education fascinating. However, all the subjects which you had to do well in life, otherwise you wouldn't be nothing, I did not like at all. And I wasn't bullied and it wasn't the teachers. It's that I had a hard time sitting down and looking into a book and reading. And probably it was more about that. I didn't enjoy reading. And I still don't enjoy reading today unless it's got big pictures. But you know what? That's how I am and that's how I was. And to be honest, I haven't changed in that department. I can add up, I can subtract, I can sh put things in and share things. But you know what? And times and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't need to know square equals triangle equals blah, blah, blah. And I still wonder today why they teach children that. But that's another whole different topic. Anyway, I remember career day at school and career day for people who don't have that now, it's when you sit down with each teacher, each teacher, sorry, and they say to you, hi, Colin, what do you want to do when you leave school? And I'd say, I want to be a zookeeper. And they'd say, oh, no, 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 you don't. There's two things you don't want to do. That's work with children and work with animals because they're very low paying jobs. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but I don't care. I want to be a zookeeper. Because back then it was about being a banker or an accountant or electrician or a plumber 
It was skilled trade. And I would have to say, even you know, to today, skilled trade jobs are incredible because they're always needed. You always need a plumber. You always need an electrician. You always need a handyman, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I did understand it from that perspective. But still, I wanted to be a zookeeper. Anyway, so kind of long story short, when as I got through the more into high school and um, obviously you don't go to university back then, it was sixth form, sixth form was the college year. So you went up to fifth form and then sixth form, it was a choice if you wanted to go into sixth form or not, but you had to have the right kind of education or the, or the, the grades to get there. You know, so anyway, throughout about probably in the full form, I decided, but you know, I was just really was not enjoying school at all. And um, I went down to Ricelip Manor because my parents live in Middlesex in the um, Hillenden Borough area. And Ricelip Manor had two pet shops back in the day. And there was one called Pets and Gardens. And I worked there as a Saturday and Sunday boy. And I absolutely loved it. Angela Lever, Trevor Lever and Janet Lever, Janet rest in peace, um, were the owners of Pets and Gardens. And they took me on and gave me the chance. And you know what? It was the best thing that could ever, ever happen to me because it put me on a different path, but kind of a similar path. And we get to that later. So I worked as a Saturday and Sunday boy. And then there was a program at school that you, that you could do where you went to work two days a week and you went to school three days a week. And obviously the teachers were coming to your job to make sure that you're turning up for work, how you're doing, blah, 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 blah. <coughs> Excuse me. So I went through the program and through all the protocols, all the paperwork, and I got accepted. And I ended up working in Pets and Gardens two days a week. Well, two days a week plus Saturday and Sunday, so it's four days a week. and went to school three days a week. And I absolutely loved it. I was painfully shy. I cannot, you know, forget to tell you about this. Me, as a child, a younger person, and you probably would never believe this, but I was painfully shy, where I'd hide behind my mum when she would talk to people in the streets. And, you know, of course, when you're a chubby kid, what do they do? They grab your cheeks and it's just like, you know, leave me alone. But it wasn't that, it's just because I was just painfully shy. I just didn't want to talk to people. I had a really bad stutter. I sometimes still do today when I get excited or I talk too fast, but I have a really, I had a really bad stammer. And that's another reason why I didn't like school because do you remember the time at school when they used to read out loud? Well, when my class was reading out loud, I would count the people because it would go in some kind of routine around the class. I'd count the students and I'd count the paragraphs. And when it got to me, if that paragraph started with the I would put myself into a tizzy, like, the, 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 oh my God, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start. And it was horrible. I absolutely hated it. But working in the pet shop, I have to say, it helped me because they put me in front of customers and behind that counter. And I was wrapping up bouquets of flowers. I was selling bedding plants. I was selling soil. I was selling loose dog food, dry dog food, everything, you name it, hay and bags. Pets, I was amazing at selling the animals and I would make sure that they all went to good homes and we only sold hamsters, mice, gerbils, birds. We didn't sell puppies 
and um, we only had kittens in, but they were um, feral kittens, and we used to keep them in the back, make them tame, and then we would find good homes for them. So it was a good pet shop when it came to that side of it also, because it wasn't one what sold puppies. <clears throat> Even though back then, being young, I would have loved to have had puppies in the shop, but we didn't. But I used to love cleaning out the animals. I used to love it. And what I remembered and used to make me laugh still today, people that have hamsters or gerbils or, guinea, you know, whatever. I forgot guinea pigs too we had. Do you remember when you used to clean out the hamsters and gerbils and we had little Russian dwarf hamsters and you would clean out the cage and you put the sawdust in the bottom and you put the little plastic house in the corner and then you put the bowls with water and food and it would be amazing. It'd be like having a cleaner come to clean your house and you come home to it. Then you put the hamster or animal back in and 10 minutes later, it looks like World War Three had gone off and everything was everywhere. The sawdust was in the water, food was everywhere. The hamster was on its back having a good old snooze in the house and God forbid you wake it up because it starts trying to attack you. <coughs> anyway, excuse the cough, it's just a tickle, don't panic. And um, yes, it went from there. And I really, really enjoyed it. And the teachers would come in or the, I don't know what you call it, the social teacher, social worker teacher, whatever, to make sure I was being good and doing my job and all that kind of stuff. And I was a different person at work because it was something that I enjoyed doing. I loved working. I loved working in that kind of um, um, atmosphere, that kind of, you know, um, I don't know what you want to call it. I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, I, I just loved it. I loved working in the pet shop. We used to get there early in the morning. I used to remember pulling down the sun visor from the front of the shop, you know, them them blind things, doing that. I used to love doing that. Then putting out all the bedding plants, all the pot mums for Mother's Day, all that kind of stuff. And also, obviously, in the shop, we had all the animals a lot of loose food was sold by the, by the weight. It was just incredible. I absolutely adored it. Anyway, one day, a young lady came in and she said to me, I'd like to buy some nail clippers, please. I'm like, okay. So I showed the nail clippers that we had. And um, I got talking to her and she said to me, you know, you know, we just got talking about cutting the dog's nails. And she goes, I'm a dog groomer. Because I, I said, oh, I thought you was just doing your own pets. She goes, well, I do my own pets, obviously, but I'm a, I'm a professional dog groomer. I take that back. I don't know if she said professional dog, but all I know is I'm a dog groomer. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I found it interesting because at home at that time, I had Brandy, our German Shepherd mix. And there was Trudy who was next door. She was another kind of, I want to say probably husky mix of some kind, more K's Hound probably mix because it was she was a short stout dog with lots and lots of coat. And I remember grooming these dogs. And listen, guys, this is how funny this is. I would groom them with, do you remember, a duplex stripping knife? It was a stripping knife with a razor blade. And I used to run that down the dog's back and big old chunks of hair used to come out. There were big step marks left in the coat. But it didn't matter because, hey, I was just doing it for fun. Anyway, having done that, it put this kind of... I don't know, idea into my head of, well, maybe I should be a dog groomer. Anyway, so I go home from the pet store and I talk to my mum and dad. I'm like, oh, you know what? I taught this girl today. She's a dog groomer and maybe I want to do it. And you know what? I've, you know, been thinking and what do you think? And they're like, well, you know, is there grooming schools around here? And 
I look through the yellow pages because I let my fingers do the walking. Do you remember that? Let your fingers do the walking. That was a commercial for the Yellow Pages telephone book, guys, for those of you who don't have the Yellow Pages, um, which we don't have anymore, do we? Because we all don't need Yellow Pages because we have Google. Um, but I think some people still do have phone books. So I looked in the phone book, and back then, in 1985, there was Look North, up in up, up north, um, in Yorkshire area, who was owned by Summit and Joan Angus and... Zoe Duffy works out all the incredible groomers. And then there was London Academy of Grooming. And I think there was a one in Harlow, which was Angela Cayley and Linda Forsyth. Anyway, back then, for a 12-week course, it was, I want to say, £400. And that, guys, in 1985, was a lot of money. Okay? A lot of money. But my mum and dad lent it to me on the one circumstance, but I would pay it back from my Sunday job. I don't know if I ever paid it back. I don't think I did. And I, oh, actually, no, I know I didn't, because my dad always says, you still haven't paid us back for the grooming course that you took, like, 35 years ago. He always has, you know, selective rem remembering things, my father. Um, but I guarantee if I lent him £5, he'd forget about that real quick. Anyway... I applied for a brochure because they sent you a brochure in the mail. It was like a little long leaflet and you opened it up and it had all the information. 12-week course, um, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, next thing I know, I'm signed up and I went to grooming school July 9th, 1985. Now, where I live... Um, well, well, sorry, not where I live, where my parents lived, it was obviously a park. And I used to wake up in the morning, go through the park, through the field, up to the bus stop and catch the 282 in Eastcote, who then took me to Felton. So I could sit on the top of the bus and I was a smoker back then. So I used to sit on the top of the bus with my polos, my mints to cover up the smoking smoking like a chimney up on the top deck of the bus, going to grooming school, feeling like a right adult. And, um, yeah, it was pro it was an hour and a half, I think. Hour and a no, probably about an hour, about an hour back on the bus. It was a long bus journey because it went all the way through Hayes, Heathrow Airport, and Felton was on the other side of Heathrow Airport. So it's quite a jog on a bus. If I was a driver of a car, I could probably do it in 20 minutes or 30 minutes. But in a bus from stopping every single friggin' two, two minutes took a lot lot longer. But I went for a pack of Super King cigarettes, probably there and back, and um, a couple of packets of polos. Anyway, went into the grooming um, school, and it was above a pet shop called Fish, Fur and Feather. I remember the women very well who knew to run it, because they were a scream. And um, I was 15 years old. Remember, guys, I was 15 years old. And you walked up a flight of stairs, took a left, and it took you into the tea room. Then if you did a right, you went up to another flight of stairs, and it took you to above the pet shop, and it had a front office. It was like a precinct. Um, we looked out to a precinct, and it had this big room where they did all the teaching. So I sat in the office and there was a woman who was, um, the um, I guess she dealt with administration. Sheila, I want to say her name is Sheila or Shirley. I don't know. 
I can't surely be serious. Definitely, but it was Sheila or Sheila. I want to say Sheila. And um, she obviously, you know, took your payment right away. Boom, give, give us your money. It wasn't like that. I'm just saying because that's how things should be done. But you know, let's get down to business. Get that all the nastiness out of the way. Do the paperwork. Sign the contract. I will promise to, you know, do everything I can to be in my power to be the best dog groomer. Blah 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 blah. blah. Um, 400 quid, I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of money, a lot of money. And um, I have to say, I was paying, <clears throat> the 400 pounds was supposed to be paid out of my 15 pounds a week housekeeping because, and I'm saying this to my spoilt friends out there who went through life without paying nothing, in England, in most households, when you are old enough to work, you are old enough to pay rent or housekeeping, even if it's to your parents. Anyway, so I was paying £15 a week, thinking back then I was being ripped off. Like, oh my God, how can you charge me that much money to live here? My God, I wish I was paying £15 a week now. So the first day at school, and then up comes the stairs, my teacher. And my teacher was Jill East, and she scared the crap out of me. Oh my God, I was thinking, holy crap, who is this woman? She's so intimidating. Now, let's remember, I was painfully shy. The pet shop helped me, but now I'm in a different situation. I just got on a bus all by myself. The 282 bus, 15 years old, hour away from home. And you know what? I have to think now, I don't think people would let their kids do that these days. Today is so different from how it used to be back then. Um, it was either that or my parents don't really love me, but I know they do, so that's just a joke. Anyway, so Jill comes up the stairs and she goes, oh, how, you know, she always used to look at you and, well, you know, what do we have here then? How old are you? And she'd look at me and I'd be like looking at her thinking, oh my God, kill me now. This woman just hates me. And um, we got a blue apron and it had London Cavalier grooming on it. We had a comb and a pair of scissors. That's what we got with our starter kit. Apron, comb, scissor. And then we went into the classroom. And on our first day, we did a poodle feet, a foot, sorry. Half the face, the towel, which I shaved the whole towel off a poodle once. We washed it, we dried it, and we scissored it all on our first day under supervision from Jill East, who the teacher, and also Andrea, who is amazing. I wish I could find her now. Redhead, new to show Daxon. So if anybody remembers a woman called Andrea, who was a redhead, fiery redhead, show Daxons, please let me know because I'd love to be in contact with her. And also Tara, and Tara was, um, oh, she was a piece of work. Tara was, I think she was Jill's help. Like um, like a, she was probably what I did at the pet shop, Saturday girl or assistant to Jill. And um, she was kind of punky-fied, had a you know, jet black curly hair, always kind of like on edge. She was edgy, edgy chick, probably totally trouble, but I loved her anyway. And um that was my first day at grooming school. And you know what? I remember it because I remember it like it was just a, because it was so full on. It was crazy, 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 crazy. It was amazing. And um, you know what? From, from that day, I knew 
yes, I would love to be a zookeeper. But from that day, I said, you know what? I love this because it is everything I was good at at school. It was the art. It was the sculpturing. It was putting things together, matching things up, balancing things up to, you know, to have some symmetry, symmetry. I always, people make fun of me when I say that, symmetry, I'll say. And, um, oh my God, it was the start of, it was the start of me. It was incredible. I absolutely loved it. It was amazing. Anyway, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break and I'll be back in a minute. Hello again and welcome to Is That A Dog Hair In My Tea? I hope not. This podcast is brought to you by Center Stage Backdrop. How long you last as a dog groomer will largely depend on how fit you are. Every groomer will benefit from using Center Stage Backdrop, the table divider that effectively cuts your grooming table in half, keeping small dogs right at the front of the table, saving your back. Center Stage are the innovators of this device and are always upgrading their products. So those riding on their coattails with their copies are never going to be able to compete with the design and quality that Center Stage brings to you. They are all handmade and measured in the UK and are available at www.center, that is the English way I spelled it, C-E-N-T-R-E, centerstagedogs.co.uk. And if you enter Colin Taylor as a coupon code at checkout, you'll get a discount as handsome as the man himself. You only have one back, so isn't it time you start looking after it? Absolutely. That was the wrong, the wrong thing I pushed. It's supposed to be. Yes, and this face is amazing. And they are amazing. So, and it's true. You want to save your back? Get one of these incredible devices because they will save your back. And this is not, this is what I should do after my jokes. Exactly. Anyway, so life went on. I was going back and forth on the 282. Terrified going through Norfolk because Norfolk had such a bad reputation back then. And um, going to school every single day was a full-on course for 12 weeks. And like I said, it was, you got thrown right in the deep end. It was literally pick up that dog and groom that dog and we will watch you. And Andrew or Jill used to do one side. We used copy on the other side. And remember back then, it was all about scissoring. Scissoring is a skill, guys, and it was taught to you amazingly. And the advantage was you had 12 weeks to learn it. And even though you still wouldn't be perfect, you were really put on the right path to be really, really good at it. So, you know, it was incredible. And I befriend, befriended an, um, another student called Tina Gammon, and um Tina was, oh my God, I still talk to her today. She lives in Australia and she is hilarious. And we used to groom dogs in my parents' house. 
Um, also, I know me and Mel used to also, but before when I first left grooming school, me and Tina used to groom in my parents' um, house in my bedroom. And Tina Gammon used to live in Watford. And um, great mum and dad, awesome brother. And she used to have African snails, which she kept under her bed. She was a weirdo. But I loved her. And she was amazing. And whispering like, you know, like she's behind me. Like, don't want don't to hear me. No, she was incredible. Anyway, so um, life went on, groom went on, and, you know, went to school, went to school, went to school. And Jill, my teacher, really, really pushed me hard. I used to hate doing poodle's feet, so what did she give me? More poodle's feet to do. Anything that she saw that I was struggling with, she used to make sure I would groom more of them. And then one day she came into school and she goes, just to let you know, I've entered you into a grooming competition. And I'm like, you did what? And she went, yeah, there's a competition in Harlow and Angela Cayley and Linda Forsyth are your judges and um, you'll be grooming whatever you want to groom. And I'm thinking, oh my God. Anyway, that was my very, very first attempt in a grooming competition. Um, it was held because grooming competitions back then were more heats. They were there was lots of lots of heats, and then you would get all geared up for the show of the year, which was groom of the year, and it was back then spectacular. Held in the hot. I remember one year the holiday inn in Leicester was incredible. But anyway, I did a canteria, not a hand strip. It was a clipped, and it was a brindle. And um, I wish I had the black and white photo of that dog because. In my mind, that dog looked stunning. But if I actually looked at it today, I'd probably say, holy crap, it looks terrible. But you know what? It was incredible. And I went in the ring, and this is where it got funny, guys, because Jill, being the jokester she is, people have got to know you're a learner. So what did she do? She slapped learner plates, L signs on my back and my chest. And for people that don't know what learner plates are, in England, when you learn how to drive a car, you have to put these stickers on your car, which are probably about five inches by five inches. And they're white stickers with a big red L in the middle of them. And that tells people that you are learning. So Linda Forsyth and Angela Cayley had no choice and but to know, but I was a, a groomer in the stages of the first education. My, my first education. So um, anyway, cut a long story short, I got first place. And I remember, and I still wish I knew that girl from today, there was a girl next to me and she was grooming a standard poodle and it was absolutely stunning. But once again, stunning back then is a different stunning what, from what it is today. But it was stunning to me. It was incredible. And she'd been grooming for quite some time. And I was amazed, but I got first place. And I remember Angela come up, coming up to me and she says, you have a bright future ahead of you, but let me tell you one thing. And I said, what's that? She goes, make sure you get the poo off the dog's bum next time because I had a little charticle left on the dog's backside. So that's why I'm such a stickler today on charticles, making sure there's no charticles left on dog's bottoms, especially after the dog has been bathed and you've had no excuse that to leave charticles on there. So anybody who's competing underneath me, make sure you and the dog have a clean bottom. <laughs> anyway, so I have this red ribbon and I still have this red ribbon 
today. It is not in the UK, but it is in Detroit, Michigan, um, in a box um, at my friend's um, house who passed away, Sean Mir. But I still have this red ribbon. And I remember when I had the red ribbon in my hand, the red was fading. So red in England is first place. Blue is first place in America. So there's differences in placements and colors. But just so people know, I had this red ribbon and I was so proud of it. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And um, because of that, I got some prize money and I got to go to Shepherd's Bush because back in the day, there used to be a grooming supply place in Shepherd's Bush. There was two places, Chorleywood, Albrook's and Shepherd's Bush. And I went to Shepherd's Bush and I bought my first pair of clippers and they were called Thrive. T-H-R-I-V-E, Thrive. I think that's the correct spelling. And I got this box of clipper, got this box with a clipper in it, and it was gold to me. It was, it was like having a brand new car. I used to use it. And I'd turn it on, I could smell the motor running, think, oh my God, it's amazing. I'll get the little brush out and I'll brush all the hairs away, making sure it was perfectly clean. I'm terrible today. I abuse my stuff today. A lot of groomers abuse their equipment today. But back, do you remember when you first got your brand new pair of school shoes or anything like that and you used to like, it used to be gold dust to you. It used to be the best thing in the world. And after a few weeks, it's like, eh, whatever. But I did treat these clippers really, really well. I used to always clean them out. I used to love them. Don't know where they are today. Probably, I have no idea. Maybe they're up in the loft with Curious George. Who knows? But anyway, when I left, and this is going to be a big, big part of one of my next episodes, because I'm going to do my story in a few episodes. But when I left grooming school, I got this amazing certificate. And the certificate was this beautiful London Academy of Grooming. It had all these lines or things you've covered, like um, parasites, you know, dog handling, blah, 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 blah. And um, at the bottom, you know, when you buy a, a designer perfume, it has London, Paris, New York. At the bottom of my certificate, at the very, very bottom, it said, London, Paris, Detroit, USA. Now, keep that in mind because that will be coming down the road in another little blog. Anyway, so I graduated. I was so thrilled. I absolutely finally had found something that I was good at, that I could put all my artistic artistic ability into. It didn't matter that I didn't whiz in math or English or geography or history. What mattered is that I had found something that I found a connection with. I found something that I loved doing. I could work with dogs all day long and it was incredible. So that was where it finished. And when I left grooming school, I went into this, um, you know, the next path of my life of, okay, it's now 
went to school in July 1985. Now it's, you know, towards the end of 1985. What am I going to do? Where is my path going to now take me? I remember so many things. When I used to go in my, you know, go to the shops with my parents, I used to go past Mucky Pups in North Harrow, which was owned by Lynn Draper. I used to go past this poodle par in Norfolk, which I know for a fact is still there today on the sandy something roundabout. I forget whereabouts, but it's in Norfolk. It's still there. I used to go past that in 1985 on the way to grooming school. And I used to look at it thinking, oh, maybe I'll have a shop one day. You know what? I didn't know where my path was going to take me, whether I'm going to be a home groomer or whether I'm going to be a, you know, um, mobile groomers weren't back, you know, around back then, whether I'm going to be an employee, whether I'm going to, you know, what? I had no clue, no clue whatsoever. But I was very, very lucky enough to be able to groom in my bedroom at my mum and dad's house and watch the dogs in the bathtub in the bathroom. Which, let me tell you something, I got I had some really good parents, so let me do that, because, I mean, my God, it was it's a pretty big ask, wasn't it? But maybe I was more special than I thought, and my parents were like, God's sake, let him do it, because if he doesn't do it, what is he going to do with his life? And, um, yeah, it went from there. But it was really, really interesting. And so I went back to the pet shop, and there was thoughts about maybe turning the back of the pet shop into a grooming salon. And um, there was a gar you know, a garage. And I did do some grooming in that garage in the back of the pet shop. And um, I have to say, it was pretty amazing when you think about your dogs when you first look back on them. And I'm going to go to some questions right now. Because there was some questions, actually that somebody had asked me. So let's go through some of these questions, okay? So, bum, 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 bum. So the first question was from Claire. Colin, who has been your biggest influence in the grooming scene? Now, that is practically an impossible question for me to ask, for me to answer, sorry. Um, and I have to, and the reason why I say it, because every time I start listing names off, there's so many names which I forget. So what I'm going to say is, I'm going to say that everybody who has, that has, I mean, my God, who has, everybody's influenced me. The person who competes in a novice competition influences me. A person who is at the top of their game influences me. A person who upsets me influences me a person who says i would never be anything in life influences me um so i will say everybody i have come across has influenced me yes there's been per people that have pushed me higher and really really helped me and i will talk about them throughout my podcast but it's that's a really really hard question for me to answer because there's so many people and they'd be absolutely amazing Claire's always asked, also asked me, what's the best piece of advice you've been given that stuck with you? The best piece of advice, one, um, Christine Palowski always said, always be true to yourself. And I have to say that stuck with me because 
when you want to say something and you know it may not be the right thing to say, if you're staying true to yourself, then in my opinion, you can say that. However, if it means you're going to hurt somebody, and I've still said it and I've hurt people, I'm not going to deny that. But if you think it's going to really hurt somebody, then maybe, you know, keep it and not say it. Um, maybe you'll be able to say it in, in another day in another way. I'm not too sure, but always be true to yourself and also run your own race, which I recently heard by um, Helen Schaefmeyer, who I did a podcast with. And it's really, really true. And especially in today's um, situation that we're in, we have to run our own race and not worry about what others are doing. Because you know what? The more you worry about somebody else, your situation, business, mental health is only going to um, be affected by it. Um, Anne Francis, who has been your funniest house guest? Well, Anne, I have to say, you are up there, believe me, because Anne Francis, for people who don't know who Anne is, I'm sure most people do. She's from the USA, from Massachusetts. She has this incredible, infectious laugh. She is a very positive, happy person. Um, she's like me. She sweats very easy in hot climates. Every time I see her in the competition ring in a in a hot area like Las Vegas, I laugh my butt off because she is sweating her ass off. And that is because of the clothes you're wearing, the pressure you're under when you're grooming a dog, plus you're in an area which is just hot. But Anne is incredible. She's funny. I've had so many people stay here. Melanie Newman, Sharon um, Hall. Oh, my God. Um, Sally Hawks, Kathy Rose. Um, God, so many people. Lisa Leedy. Um, so, so, you know, oh, there's so many people. So many people. Sue Watson, her lovely husband. Um, you know what? There's been amazing, amazing people. And I can kind of say this. I only allow people to stay in my house who aren't going to scrutinise it not being flawlessly clean. It's not a mess, but it's not spotless. Um, Lee, oh God, I'm not sure I can even ask. He can. You can ask anything. Um, Melanie, censorship needed. No, never, because I don't swear on my podcast. Feebrook, over 18s only. No, because I want this to be for everybody. <laughs> Barbara Pacquel, this will be great. Uh, blah, blah. Do you think uh, Do you think it'll be under six hours? You had a good point, Barbara, so I decided to make this into segments. Um, Lorna Phillips, where would you buy a vacation home? That's an amazing question. So, um, where would I buy that vacation home? Well, me and Coleman want to buy a place in Spain. Or I would love to buy a cabin around a lake in Michigan. Um, I would love to buy one around Lake Joy, which is close to um, Coleman's parents. But that's very, very expensive to live in Washington around a lake. It's not cheap. And it's not cheap anywhere. But um, Spain will be the cheaper version. And it's beautiful in Spain and cheap. Um, so, yes, yeah, Spain or back in the States around a lake in a log cabin. Um, Angie, Colin, I've been grooming for 14 years and during the first couple of years, I had moments with some breeds and thinking, oh my God, 
what the hell do I do with this breed? Feeling sick and worried and dread, very close to tears. Thinking how to get over certain problems. Question, did you ever have these feelings? Oh my God, Angie, let me tell you something. Everybody has these feelings. I remember my first dog I groomed solo by myself was a dandy Dinmont. Could you imagine getting a phone call and saying, hi, can you groom my dog? Yes, sure, what do you have? A dandy Dinmont. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Because we didn't groom dandy Dinmonts. I didn't know Mel um, Winters Homes back then, right at grooming school. I knew her very shortly after, within the same year, and she worked at Bellmead Kennels, which was the dandy Dinmont breeder around the world. And had I known her then, I might be able to do a better job. But I remember it was a Polaroid picture I took of this dandy Dinmont, and I groomed it just like a Westie, and they were fine. So don't panic. And yes, you are going to panic when you get a first dog come to you, and even after many years of grooming. And I have to say this, you know what? We are our own worst enemy. Enemy. We are the people that critique our works work worse than anybody. Um, yes, we do have picky clients, but most of the majority of them, they want a clean, cute, comfortable trim on their dog. Um, and we are really the only people that do judge a dog through a haircut. So yes, Angie, you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And you know what? I think still after years, I still have them feeling on some dogs. And I always say to myself, good is good enough. Just like my book says, good is good enough. Maureen. Maureen Maureen, who was a lovely, lovely school friend of mine. Um, she has put a comment. What was your favorite item to go on in the park opposite your house? So where my parents live, there's a there's a park. Back in the day, I want to explain this in a certain way. If you had a big square field and you put that square field into um triangle sandwiches. In each triangle, there was a park ride. There was the seesaw, there was the swings, there was the roundabout, and there was the witch's hat. The witch's hat was my favourite. It was the scariest damn ride, park ride in the world, that and the rocking horse, that, which was down on Whitby Road Park. But I love the witch's hat. There used to be a girl called Christine, and she used to come in the park and spin us around, and we go faster, faster. And then we used to hang off of it like we were like literally hanging off of these bars with two hands, with our legs flailing in the air. And um, then you could rock it back and forth too. It was a death trap. Let me put it this way: it was a death trap. And then also the roundabout. So we used to lay down the roundabout, and we used to get somebody to spin us around, and then they would put our heads over the edge of the roundabout and see how close we can get our foreheads to the concrete. I know, crazy, right? But yeah, and then we look for change underneath the roundabout as it's going around. But the witch's hat was my favourite, absolute favourite. But they don't do them no, no, no more because it probably has hurt many, many children. So <laughs> it's crazy, though. It really is crazy. But anyway, I hope that is gives you a little bit of an insight of my early, early years. Now, my next podcast is going to be in reference to the path I took later on after grooming school, which included my City and Gills exam and included 
going to Hong Kong and then coming back and included my introduction to an amazing bunch of American people at the Windsor Castle Hotel in 1987, where the first World Grooming Championships were held. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, if you have any questions whatsoever, please send me a message. Um, remember, we are here for everybody. This is 2020. It's been some trying times. Please remember, please, please, please remember out there are people out there with really bad mental health issues, who suffer with anxiety, who suffer with panic. And it's really important that people realize that they have friends out there which they can contact. Me being one of them, if you are a person who suffers with anxiety or panic, and just to let you guys know, I do also, and I will be talking about that in one of my segments when I realize exactly what my issue was. Um, you can reach out to me because I'm there for you. So on that note, I hope, I hope you've had a really enjoyable time and I would talk to you guys very, very soon for episode two of this. No, it won't be episode two. It'll be segment two. I'm going to be, this will be episode 22. This and segment one, this will be next one will be segment two. So I'll see you in segment two. Have a great day and Happy grooming! Mwah.